This past weekend, we had some baptisms at the river. We had 16 people choose. Yes, yes. It was, that is my favorite thing, and just to watch people's bold declarations of a public declaration of an internal, deep, sacred reality. And so if you're here today, and you were one of those 16, come over here and sign this when you get a chance, just so we can celebrate that. And if you're not one of those, well, you know what, we're going to have more baptisms. I want you to consider saying yes to that. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about something that is very near and dear to my heart, and it's about the Broncos. And for some of you who are already headed to the door, just, just wait for a second, because we're talking about access. And a, many years ago, when the Broncos last won the Super Bowl, the entire offseason, and then they had a kickoff game for the entire NFL. And it was in Denver, and it was the Broncos. It was the Thursday night, which we call the pastor's game, because we can still make Sundays. And so my friends Arnie and Scott and Jake took me, and we all went down there to this big opening game of the season. And there were thousands of people gathered there. And they had the whole green outside just full of uh, Broncos. It was the Super Bowl rings and the trophies and all different kinds of places to take your pictures. It was hot. And there was lots of people. I mean, thousands upon thousands of people. It was, a, it was a packed place. And we were there for hours, tailgating, having fun, dehydrating, just enjoying ourselves. And then um, at some point we started to hear like some murmurs. People were, the crowds were talking as someone was coming through the crowd. And that's when we looked over and we saw these, these heroes from Broncos past, these legends walking through the crowd. And they went up on a stage and then there they sat down and they began to sign autographs. And, and I was like, oh, we've got to get up there, guys. And I, I began to walk toward the line, and that's where I saw that the line went, went, went just, just forever back. And I walked over to this gentleman, and he had on a wristband. I said, where'd you get that wristband? He goes, oh, this is the autograph wristband. I go, how do you get that? He goes, you got to go get in that, that line to get the wristband so you can get in this line. And I go, I have to get in a line to, to get in a line? He goes, yeah, yeah, it's pretty easy to understand. I was like, oh. Well, I'm out. I don't have four hours to wait in all these lines. And so we sat there and we watched them, you know, just, we walked away. And as we were walking through the crowds of all these people, um, I saw a, a young lady in an NFL network outfit carrying a duffel bag. And as she walked by, I saw in the duffel bag, it's, there's just some lanyards that said VIP. And I said, excuse me, excuse me, um, I'd like to talk to you for a second. And you guys might not know me very well, but I, I have no problems just being audaciously and asking for, you know, what, who knows what could happen. And so um, I said, listen, this is me and my three friends here. I would love to know what it would take for us to get three VIP passes right there. And she goes, mm. she looks us over, all of us in our jerseys, and she looks down, she looks around, and she goes, okay. And she reaches down and gives, puts a VIP pass over my neck. And I'm like, yes. I can feel the power emanating from it. I just, mm. and, and, and she walked off. And I said, guys, we did it. We're VIP. And Scott goes, to what? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but we made it. <laughs> well, now we just had to find what we're VIP of. So now we're on a new mission, just walking around. Yeah, you guys know where VIPs go? And they go, anywhere they want. I don't know. Well, where, uh, <laughs> where do the VIPs gather? Uh, we couldn't find it. So I went around a corner, and down this long walkway was a man with, in, a, in a suit with an earpiece. And it said, VIP only. And I went, ah, guys. So we walked down there. He looks at our credentials. He says, access granted. And he wands us over to make sure we're not carrying anything. And we walk in, and the air conditioning of the gods just hits us. 
Oh, and there's not thousands in there. We walk up and there's like only 40 people. And they're all wearing suits. And their passes don't say VIP. Their passes say NFL Network and ESPN and have their pictures on it with their names. And so we're the only guys up there with jerseys. And we're like, whoa, whoa. We're just walking around like tourists, you know. And so that we get over there and there's this big food buffet with crab stuff and all these different foods. And we get a little bit. We eat it. And the lady's like, you guys can have more. I go, well, how many can we have? She goes, well, all, all you want. You're VIP. All, you can have as much as you want. And that's a good problem to have. And so we, we um, you know, stadium food is like 50 bucks for some pickles. And so we, we, we said, well, let's just do it here. And so we started eating. And then, we went, then we went, there was a big bar with drinks. And there were like scotches and vodkas that were hand squeezed from Ukrainian potatoes. That I mean, <laughs> names of scotches I can't afford to even pronounce. And, 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 and it's, just, it's this glorious time. And so we, we were getting ready to leave. And I said, let me just go look around for a second. And I went and investigated. And I went back and I said, guys, when you're done with your meal, let me know. And they looked at me and said, well, we could be done right now. I said, good, let's go. So we walked out, walked to this little staircase, up and down, up and down, and then walked out onto a veranda, this big deck. We walked out, and there was about five more sections of different foods, and there was drinks, and there was, there was people, and it was shaded, and it overlooked this entire grassy knoll where the peasants, I mean, the other people were down there shoulder to shoulder as this concert was going with some big band on stage and we're just up there and we're, we're getting crab cakes and, and <laughs> I had my pinky out the whole time. <laughs> yes. And, um, and we were just enjoying the VIP and then um, someone tugged at my arm and said, you got to come here. And I turn around and all those Broncos that we couldn't get to earlier all walked in, got plates of food, got drinks and just sat down and started talking and we're sitting there talking to these guys and, and they know me. Um, I know them, and, um, and, and it was just an amazing experience as, as we had access to something we never could have ac- had access on our own. That, that, that young lady who gave me the pass that I didn't even know what it was, in her kindness she gave me access to something I could never have earned on my own. It was amazing. Now, if I had not had that pass, I still could have had a taste of the VIP I could have walked up to that guy with the, the earpiece and the suit and said, hey, do you want to be a mediator? You want to be, be my mediator today? You see, a mediator is someone who goes between, someone who has access that you don't have. And they go between for you. And he would, you know, after a conversation, he would say, okay, I'll be your mediator. Hey, can you bring me one of those crab cakes? And half an hour later, my mediator would have come down and said, here you go, and this crab cake kind of smushed in a napkin, and I would have had a taste of the VIP. Oh, guys, you gotta tr- we all would have had a taste of the VIP. And I said, can you take this napkin and go, go get John Elway's signature? And half an hour later, he comes down, and there's some scribbles on there. And, oh, it's just like we're there. You see, I could have gone through the experience uh, for hours like that, just experiencing a little bit, of, just a nip of the VIP at a time through my mediator. In the Old Testament, before the cross, using a mediator for access to God was how the whole thing went. In fact, God gave his people specific instructions for how to build the temple, the place on earth that is his presence, where he'd come down and reside. And, and once it was completed, his presence of power would come down and it would be in a place called the Holy of Holies, the holiest place on the planet inside this temple in its own little section. And this temple was set up so very few people had access. They had an outer court, and that would keep some people out. And then they had an inner court, and that would keep even more out. And by the time you got to the inner workings of the temple, very few people could go there. 
But if you were one of those very, very special, you could actually go in the temple. You would go inside and you would see the, the bread of the presence and you would see the menorah. You would see the incense burning and you would see this giant curtain that would go up. This veil. And this veil was important. It was around 60 feet tall and they said it was a hand breadth thick, about four inches thick. So you have 60 feet tall, four inches thick, hanging down in the holy place. And behind this veil is the holy of holies, where the presence of the divine God of the universe resides. Right behind that veil. Now, this place was so special that only once a year on Yom Kippur, the high priest would go in there behind the veil and he would offer a sacrifice for the forgiveness of all the people's sins. And when he was in there, it was no small thing. The people would just wait with bated breath. That's once a year they knew the high priest was in there making an offering on their behalf. Now, that's not a small matter. The high priest, if he goes in there and he's not ritually clean, guess what happens to him? He dies. He dies. If he goes in the presence of the holy of holies, God Almighty, in his sin, it would be death. Our humanity cannot stand that much presence of holiness. And so, in fact, God commanded Moses to make sure that the high priests had bells on the bottom of their priestly vestments. So there's a bell, you can tell someone's still alive and kicking, right? And then they would tie a rope around his leg. Because if he was in there and something went wrong and you didn't hear the bells, kind of look at, oh, pull pull him out. And you you have to wait another year. It was a big deal. It was a special honor. It was a privilege, a holy moment. Once a year on Yom Kippur, one person, one time, If anybody went in there incorrectly, if you just wanted to go in there and check it out, you can't stand in the holiness, the holy presence of God. And there was no other pathway to the Holy of Holies. No matter how much they, and their feelings they wished, oh, there has to be more than one way to God's presence. There wasn't. There was one way to God's presence. And you had to go in the temple through the veil. Now, the priest could enter the temple daily. They could go in the temple but they could not and they dared not cross into the Holy of Holies. The veil hung there, protecting humanity from the presence of divinity. The veil hung there saying, VIP only, mediator needed. The veil hung there, a separation between the holy presence of God and the sinfulness of humanity. Between his perfection and our sin was this veil. And this went on for thousands of years. Sacrifices for the sins of the people performed by the mediator, the high priest. High priests would be born and they would live and they would die serving God and serving in the temple. And the people would be born and they would live and they would die never having been in the presence of God themselves. Experiencing it through a mediator who would go where they could not go and do for them what they could not do. But all this changed on a Middle Eastern day in the hot sun. You see, Jesus, the Son of God, had been beaten and mocked and tortured and paraded through the crowds down the street. And they they led him up a hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And there they nailed him to a cross and they lifted him up for all to see. And they 
hung there. And he struggled to survive. And for hours, through his, he would raise himself up to breathe. And at 3 p.m. that afternoon, Jesus gave up his spirit and said, it is finished. And he died. And Jesus knew this was going to happen. He had, predict, he had predicted it. He knew it had to happen. He came to live with us for a reason. He was on a mission when he was here. You see, throughout the time of the temple, people always needed the high priest, the mediator, to go there for them, to go for them with the intricate rituals and, and all the cleansing and the sacrifices to go get the forgiveness from God. And the, the high priest provided for them, when he went to God, a way to live in freedom, a way to live as God desired. But that way was always temporary. That's why they had to do it every year. And then they had to have other sacrifices throughout the week. It was ongoing because, I don't know if you know this, but we're really good at sin. Some of you just nudged your neighbor. They're, they're maybe better than you. I don't know. Yeah. But Jesus came so that once and for all, the stain of sin, the curse of guilt would be abolished forever. One time. Jesus came to do the work of the high priest. Jesus came to be that mediator. But once he was done, once he was done being the high priest, once he was done being the mediator, guess what he did? Well, to use his words, it is finished. It was completed. After his death on the cross, there was no more need for sacrifices, for mediators, for blood, or for incense. But what about this temple? What about the Holy of Holies and, and God's, God's spirit that resides there? What about, the, what about the, the veil that separates? You see, the dividing veil there in, in the temple was commissioned by God in the Old Testament. But it's mentioned in the Gospels in many different places. Jesus, we find, has been tortured and he's been nailed to a cross. And right here in Matthew 27, we pick up. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He died. But the next sentence is incredible once we understand the significance of it. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. The moment Jesus died, the 60-foot tall veil, four inches thick, was ripped from top to bottom. The symbolic separation between divinity and humanity was gone. Now the details of this are astounding. The thick veil was torn. But how was it torn. 60 feet tall, and yet it says repeatedly in these writings that it was torn from top to bottom. Listen, if it was torn by humans, like Drake said, it would start at the bottom and work, the, you know what I'm saying? Trying to get up the whole way. But see, this, was, this wasn't the, the disciples sneaking in and trying to, to rip the holy veil. You see, humanity cannot remove the barrier between divinity and us. Humanity can't do that. And even practically, this so tall, four inches thick, no human ripped the veil. God tore the veil from the top, starting from the heaven down. God tore the veil, and with it, he declared, let there be no more barrier between me and my people. The veil is torn. The division is gone. God's prophets for hundreds of years have been declaring how someone was going to change and God was going to do something different and how, how we could interact with him in a different way. And at this moment, at the cross, the veil was torn from heaven to earth. And with it, something changed drastically. Access. Access. You see, a high priest no longer had to go to the Holy of Holies once a year on your behalf. 
There was no more need for, for bells and rope and blood and incense. God, or Jesus, our high priest, our great mediator, came to earth, and it says this in 1 Timothy 2.5. God desires that all be saved and find the truth of Jesus. That there is one God and there is one high priest, mediator, between God and mankind. And that's Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. That Jesus is our one high priest, our one mediator. The high priest, he came to, to, as a sacrifice so that we could have access to the Father's presence. Listen, Jesus doesn't have to go to the Holy of Holies once a, once a year with a sacrifice. He went there one time as the sacrifice. No more needed. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, you now have access to the Holy of Holies. You have access to the divine presence of God Almighty. Remember how dangerous it was for the priests to go in there? The bells and the rope and all that? I mean, how do you feel when you think of going in God's presence? I mean, if I told you right now that you were going to be in God's presence and you're going to see his face, what do you think his face would look like toward you? Do you when you think of God's face to you, do you think of a, a frown, a scowl? They only knew what you had done. I know. I mean, how do you view God's face? So often we have this thing called condemnation. Oh, God's not happy with me. It says in Hebrews 10, 19, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence. What? I'm sorry, we have what? Confidence. We have confidence to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. Confidence. Not condemnation confidence that you can enter the Holy of Holies. You can enter into the presence of God. You can enter God's presence with confidence, not based on how good you are, but because of the cross and what Jesus did. Confidence is a long ways from fearfully skulking into God's presence because you're sinful. Confidence is it's a whole different thing, a whole different paradigm. You see, because of Jesus, we can enter God's presence without fear of death or judgment. He died for us. He took the judgment for us. Hebrews 10 goes on. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of the sacrifice. He's acting as our priest before God. The veil into God's presence is his body. He is the veil. He's the access point. He's the path. He's the way to the presence. If you want to go to the presence, you got to go through the way. And that's him now. What does this mean? We have to go back to some of Jesus' words, some of his very words that he had when he was on the earth. He said this. He was talking to his growth group, his closest friends, and he's, he's telling them, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go be with the Father. And they're like, well, wh- how will we know the way? How do we know how to get to the Father, Jesus? And he says this. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one gets to the Father except for through me. Jesus declares that he is the way. He didn't say, I'm a way. He didn't say, hey, I'm, I'm a way, I'm a truth, and I'm a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if we believe in Jesus and all the good stuff that he gives us and the love and the forgiveness, we have to sit here and listen to these words and say, well, what is he saying? That he is the way, the veil to, to the presence of God. He declares that he is the truth, not a relative truth, not a truth based on our feelings, but that somewhere out there is a divine, absolute truth that despite how I feel, he is the truth. He is the way. 
and he is the life. And that no one gets to the Father except for through him. In the Old Testament, there was one way to God's presence, through the veil of the Holy of Holies. And Jesus' anthem is now that it is me, that I am the way. If you want to go to the presence of the Father, if you want a relationship with the Father, I am the way. Come to me. There's no more physical veil. There's no more high priest mediator. It's no longer, no longer needed because Jesus is our mediator. He is our high priest. He is the veil. He is our access to God. It says this in Ephesians 2.18, through Jesus we have access to the Father. He, get, he credentials you in a way that you can walk in. You have access. No more rituals. No more sacrifices or offerings. No more high priest. No more sacrifice, no more anything. Jesus gives us access by his salvation and redemption. Luke says this, Salvation is found in Jesus through no one else. For there is no other name has been given or will be given to us by which we can be saved. Only one, and that's Jesus. Only one way, only one name. And at the cross, the veil, the barrier to God was torn, and God's presence is now accessible. It's accessible to everyone through Jesus Christ. That the cross did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And this is important. I want you to catch this. You see, in many religions or belief systems, you find a way to get yourself somewhere. I'm going I'm to get, uh, get back to the force or the energy or jam with nirvana or, or I'm going to come back as a dust mite or you never, like, I'm getting somewhere, but based on my behavior, I'm going to tear the cloth from the bottom and if I do good enough, I'll end up somewhere. But Jesus never says that. He, in fact, he doesn't say, I'm the way to heaven. He says, I'm the way to the Father. You see, what he's the way to is not a destination, it's a relationship. That he opens the path, not, not to a place, but to a presence. And he calls you to a dynamic, interactive relationship with the God of the universe. offering of the cross is startling. It's access. Full access. During the days of the U.S. Civil War, there was a soldier in the Union Army whose father and brother, older brother, had both been killed. And he couldn't stop thinking about his mother and his little sister who were back on the farm who had no one to help them plant. And they would not, if they didn't plant, they wouldn't have any food. No food, no money. It could kill the rest of his family. And he had to get back to his mom to help them for his family to survive. And so he went to his commander, and they said no. And they, they kept passing the buck up, and he would keep going to the next person, and the next person. And finally he went, to, he went as high as he could, and they said no. And he said, that's it, I'm going to Washington, D.C. So he, he went to Washington, D.C., and there he went to the White House. And he walks up, and he knocks at the door. I would like to see the president. No. Don't you know there's a war on? You have a, a soldier's uniform. Go back to where you belong. But you don't understand. My mom, my family, my, my sister. No, 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 you don't understand, sir. Go. No access to the president. Who do you think you are? And this soldier just crushed. He walked a little ways out of the gate and just sat down and he put his hand, his head in his hands and he just sat there so broken. And he felt something on his shoulder, a little tap. He looked up and there's this little boy. The little boy said, hello, soldier. What, what's wrong? Why are you so sad? And the soldier said, oh, yeah. He told the boy the situation. He told the little boy what was happening. 
And the little boy said, well, here. And he grabbed the soldier's hand. He said, come with me. And he tugged at him. And the soldier got up and walked with him. And the little boy led him around the entire White House to the back. And back at the back, there were some guards back there. And the little boy just walked in and opened the door. And the, the guards didn't say anything to the soldier who was with him. The soldier was shocked as he began to follow this little boy through the White House, through different rooms where he saw generals and, and, and UN and all these other people who were officers and through meetings. And then finally they come to the door, the president's. And the little boy doesn't even knock. He just opens the door and goes, Daddy! What is it, Todd? The soldier needs to talk to you. And the soldier just is there with President Lincoln. You see, based on the work of the son, you have full access to the father. He takes you where you can never go. But something else happens, and we talked about this last week. You see, as you come to faith in Jesus, you don't just go with the son. You become a son. You become a daughter. You enter into his throne room as his child with full access as his child. And if you want more on that and you missed last week, I challenge you to go listen to it. It says this, we can, in Hebrews 4, 16, we can now approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Confidence! Because we're children of his. We're, we know the Son. The Son knows us. We have access. It goes on, because of Jesus and our faith in him, we can, have, we can access God with freedom. Ephesians 3.12, freedom. Why freedom? Freedom to go in God's presence? Because so often we feel condemnation. You're going to tell me I'm going into God's presence? All my sins are before me. And I want to remind you of the difference between condemnation and conviction. The condemnation is not of God. And it says, oh, you've messed up. You should go away from God. While conviction is of God's spirit and says, oh, you've messed up. You should come to God. One of those is not of God's economy. So if you feel condemnation, that is not what he wants you to feel. You walk into his presence with freedom as a son and a daughter because of the cross. Freedom from your past. Freedom from your, your present sins and vices and anger and insecurities. Free from your anxieties of the future. You can walk into God's presence free of any human intervention because access has been granted. You no longer need a priest. You no longer need a mediator because Jesus stands in that place forever. Jesus did for us what we can never do for ourselves. And for many of us here today, um, that's good news. It's good news to know that, that there's no barrier between God and us. It's good news to know that I don't need, a, you don't need me. All you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. At the cross, access was granted. At the cross, it all changed. And if you're here today and you, you have um, been on this journey for quite a while, as you come and take communion, and if you're a guest of ours, I want to remind you, we have an open table. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And that's, that's what we have it here for. So as you grab the, the symbols of Jesus' sacrifice, his blood and his body, that is the price tag for access. Someone had to give that, and guess what? It's not you. Because he did. So as you sit down with those symbols... I want you just to thank him. Thank him that he died so the veil could be torn, so that you can have direct access with the Father. And then I want you to, to in your mind, say, God, how do you see me? And how do I see you? I want you to know that there's no frown on his face. He says, come. Come to me, my son, my daughter. Because at the cross, it was all changed. If you're here today and you have never made this decision to follow Jesus, 
You've never prayed to receive Jesus, and you're still checking it out. That's great. But for some of you, you might be ready to pray. I want that access. I want access to the Father. And I understand today it's through Jesus. And if today, if you would like to pray with me for the first time to pray faith in Jesus, I want you guys to all bow your heads and... um. Let's all pray together, and if you're here today, and this is the first time you're praying this in faith, the Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again, and he is Lord, and you will be saved. And so we're going to pray this. Pray with me. Jesus, I need you for access to the Father. I know you died. I know you rose again. I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit. Father God, I want to know your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close today and go into communion, um, if you have prayer requests, it doesn't matter how big or how small, we have a prayer corner back there. We would love to pray over you. And if you're here today and you've prayed that prayer of salvation with me just now for the first time, I want to talk to you, so come find me. But Orchard, let's respond to a great God who gave us access. And so even now in worship and in communion, No mediator. You have access to God's presence. Amen?